Welcome to the Tidal Year, a series about the joy of swimming. With the help of some special guests, we'll discover the human stories behind why we swim. Together, we'll share tales from the places that helped us fall in love with swimming. From Lidos to lakes, by leisure centers in the ocean, I can't wait to dive into these magical places. I'm your host, writer and wild swimmer, Freya Bromley, and every week I'll be chatting to a new explorer, swimmer, author, or campaigner about what water means to them. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, TryHard. I love being in the water, but I don't love what pool chemicals like chlorine do for my skin and hair. TryHard develop water sports specialized skin and hair solutions that eliminate those negative effects of pool chemicals and ocean salts. I'm thrilled to share with all listeners of the Tidal year a very exclusive 15% off when you use code TIDAL at tryhard.co. This week, I'm joined by British photographic artist Mark Vesey. He's best known for celebrating icons of pop culture through his images of stacked up magazines, books and vinyl records. Mark lives in Brighton and, like many of our listeners, is a keen sea swimmer. I've been a fan of Mark's artwork for a while and saw on Instagram him posting about swimming and I was just so moved by how he wrote about his sobriety journey. I feel really fortunate to have had this chat with him, which is vulnerable and thoughtful And it really inspired me to think about how I can be more reflective and compassionate about the stories that I tell myself. I hope it has the same effect on you. Let's dive in. Perhaps maybe we should chat a bit more about you and your art. I can see you've got a picture behind you, which is amazing. And I actually discovered your art when I was in Brighton. It must have been a few years ago because I didn't swim because I've only started swimming probably in the last three years. And I saw some of your collection of vinyl photographs. And I remember like the enormity of it and seeing this fantastic photo of a stack of vinyls and kind of looking closer to read what records they were, which really threw me back to like my dad's record collection. And I just thought it was beautiful. So I've been following your art ever since. But maybe you can talk a little bit about your photography and your work. Yeah, I got into photography when I studied photography at Brighton University. And as part of my final project, I photographed a collection of magazines, Attitude magazine, which was important to me. And it was kind of like part of my coming out story and part of kind of me finding out who I was. And it was kind of a reflection of me. And then I photographed it and then blew it up and displayed it as part of my final degree show. And that kind of took on like a life of its own I didn't realize just how that would translate like communicate with other people and it became quite kind of like known I think also the subjects of the celebrities and people that were on the spines and some people that were interested in it didn't actually realize that it was a game mag- it was like an attitude magazine was actually kind of like a gay magazine so that was where it sort of started and this idea of being able to put together a collection of objects and then blowing them up, enlarging them greater than life. I've always been interested in pop art. That's always something that's been close to me throughout growing up. So I love that idea of being able to kind of take something every day and make it into something magical and enlarge its importance 
and show it in a new light and just by photographing it and kind of transforming it into a piece of artwork really and then equally now how I can select a subject and then immerse myself in the subject I kind of go on a journey with that subject and I'm able to kind of in a way take a portrait of that maybe kind of subject like I've got my soundtracks piece over there that's all film soundtracks I did musicals as well and when I photographed them I had it kind of went on a research journey and then selecting them together and putting them together it takes time to kind of sit with the material and get to kind of have a feel for it how it works together and how things kind of relate within history and a timeline and then get to to actually photograph them as well together I think there's something really special about that so special and I think you know lots of us love collecting things or we have our objects that are very special to us so I love those music collections because you know I've seen you kind of talk about them as a alternative portrait and it's so true because you can tell so much about someone by their music and I feel like your work now has a new layer to me because I didn't know that you started doing a collection of photographs of Attitude magazine which then is a really interesting portrait about you and your coming out story so that's amazing that these photos of objects can actually tell quite a lot about people as well yeah I think they are a reflection of us and we collect to have a greater understanding of ourselves through other people you know we learn from music you know culture and so I kind of I think that they, whether it's a collection of penguin books or the vinyl or magazines, there's a dialogue there between the subject and ourselves. And there's, there's comfort in collecting and there is nostalgia. There's connection. We learn about ourselves. There's so much within these objects. They're not just objects. They're so, they hold so much more value. And I just enjoy being able to learn through what my process as well of the subjects that I'm working with. I've just worked with the Glyndebourne Opera House and I knew very little about opera. And now within the last two years of working with them, I've been able to really experience the sort of magic of opera, how something that looks quite simple in terms of the setting and the structure of it comes together. And it's actually really complex and has so it holds so much I guess that's similar to what I'm doing I'm trying to display something that's quite simple on the outside but actually what behind it and what it holds together so much more it's fast and that really interests me that on the surface it might look simple but there's a lot of complexity behind it that's so amazing that you've been able to use it as a way to learn more I mean I know nothing about opera so that's very cool I it kind of made me think as well that one of the things I love collecting is sea glass or also maybe pebbles. And I've begun to notice a lot more about the beaches where I am and the geology and the rocks and the stone and the history and why stones are the way they are just by collecting them and noticing. And I guess with everything that we do, if we pick up and have a curiosity towards something, towards an object, or we're drawn to it. Really, curiosity is one of the ways that we learn about things. And I think definitely with collections, you then become to have a bit of a fascination with something and that's really amazing that's led you to some different different learnings especially through like pop culture and I know you mentioned that 
pop culture is really interesting to you. I know that you've done a few Vogue covers by photographing all the magazines there. And also you mentioned pop art. And I know one artist that you really love is Hockney, but I don't know if there's any other artists that feel like they have swimming or water that runs through their work as an inspiration as well. I mean, Hockney, of course, we have like the pool. Yeah, Hockney, I absolutely adore swimming. I'm just trying to think on top of my head. There is a young American painter. He does these very domesticated scenes with gay men at home, which I love because they're very emotional and they're kind of open. They're very kind of domesticated scenes. And he also does people swimming in the sea, which I adore. But I think I think water has been massive in art. It must be. I have you know as a source of. I guess there's so much kind of like photography based on. We look outwardly in Brighton around me right now. There's so many gallery spaces that have that landscape and I guess it's nature bringing nature within everything is in nature and I guess the art is just another it's bringing that there there must be a massive pool of 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 artists that use it but I'm just trying to think if there's anyone most of my references and people are kind of pop art and I mean I I love Bridget Riley she is one of my favorite artists and her work is inspired by nature and watching nature and watching the sea and watching the glimmers of light move on the sea. And Bridget Riley's work is very much exactly taken from watching nature and how light and form starts to shift. And I think that her work is informed very much by the coastline, watching grass kind of move in the wind. So I think Bridget Riley definitely That's so interesting that you say that because I love Bridget Riley's work and I have a small little print of one of hers from the Tate in my kitchen. But I see that as being so geometric and bold. But now when I do think about it, I think some of those natural curves, I guess things that often look abstract, always have their origins and inspirations in nature. So that's really interesting. I didn't know that. I definitely think that she uses nature as a draw, as an inspiration. And I sat and watched the sea in Brighton one Saturday afternoon up on the seafront by the lift and the wind was so it looked like a helicopter was landing on the water but all around and that to me is like a Bridget Riley painting the movement on the water and I guess it's how she transforms or brings that into her artwork that movement with color and form on the canvases that I think that a lot of inspiration from artists does come. Everything is in nature, you know, colour, sort of sexuality, relationships. It's all there in front of us. And I guess, yeah, it's always been an inspiration for artists. Well, we, you know, we have an artist here. <laughs> so what about you? Tell me about your relationship with, you know, although that your work is very much about objects and collections how does swimming and being outdoors relate to your creative process because you're based in Brighton so you've I don't know how long you've been living by the sea but is swimming something that's been quite new to you when did you start swimming so I always used to love the sea in Brighton and I think it was through lockdown and the year before lockdown I would go into the sea but work was so busy and everything was my life was so busy and I just don't think I ever used to really stop I used to be running on this sort of adrenaline and it was during the pandemic that I was on my own in Brighton and I live on my own my family had my dog because I was working in New York and I came back and had to sort of face lockdown on my own and I think that kind of like solitary kind of experience of I think I spent three and a half months that first bit of lockdown on my own 
it really confronted me with myself and it sort of changed everything really it kind of I was able to just stop for the first time and take stock of a lot of things and the sea was that constant thing that was there for me it was something that I used to go down there and we weren't you weren't allowed to sort of sit on the beach but we I used to just go in and get in the water and kind of just allowed me to kind of let go of so much stuff in my life it kind of allowed me to be in my own skin and really kind of feel my own feelings and kind of just be in this kind of base where I felt I suppose being in the sea in Brighton or anywhere but it makes me feel comfortable in my own skin whereas I haven't had that feeling a lot in my life where I've, I've felt kind of like the outsider I felt kind of not quite something's quite sort of not quite right with me or there's something wrong with me intrinsically like I'm not quite what life should be and I think there's something about being in the water that allows me to wash that away and kind of feel in my own sort of feel okay in my own skin and that's one of just one of the many things which I love the sea sort of you know in the winter when you get through to the cold temperatures it almost feels like it gives you a hug and it holds you and there's this level of like wholeness that you are able to experience which is something that I don't think since my journey with the sea I don't think I've fully realized that you know I am whole on my own and the sea allows me to just kind of bring up those feelings and kind of confront myself and and know that I'm okay and when I get in the sea I could be in a mood I could be in some I don't ever get in and out and I'm never the same I feel like I've kind of transformed in some aspect or something and shifted something so whenever I'm in a form of anxiety or fear normally the sea is like my touchstone it's my place where I just need to go scream let it out you know cry laugh you know whatever I need to feel the sea is there and it's a way to regulate myself I guess outside that's within nature plugging me into something far greater than myself and I think I get caught up with things in my life that actually you know they're just they're tiny kind of detours off of our path and sea allows me to kind of reconnect with myself and put myself back on my path which hard work keeping to that because a lot of the time I, I loved the distractions are nice but it's about continually facing something bigger than myself really. Oh Mark I'm so moved by what you said about feeling whole because I think that re- swimming is very difficult to talk about why it's so special. And, you know, often we kind of clutch at metaphors of saying, you know, we feel like we have a second skin or going back to where we belong or it feels like home. And I often feel like when I'm talking about swimming, probably sound like I'm being quite cheesy because it's a hard sensation to really capture. But I really can relate to what you said about feeling like you're enough or that you're whole when you're there. There's something about that feeling of Firstly, the, how calming and how relaxing and how, as you say, it regulates your body is, but also just what it's like to experience being in your body. 
I too very much, you know, the thing, the first time I really properly started getting into swimming was actually in the winter rather than the summer. And that feeling of not being able to think about anything other than how cold it was, I think was the first break I'd had from a lot of the distractions I filled my life with for a very long time. You know, sounds like similar to you being very busy, feeling like I had to fill my life with emails and admin and things to do and friends to see. And then suddenly having that break where it's like, okay, it's me in the water and I'm not going to think about anything, but just being in myself was a huge relief. And suddenly something hadn't really realized I needed. And that does become very, very addictive, that feeling. And I also found that when I was able to find it in the water, I began to slowly I mean, I say slowly, we could all do better at this, but find it in my life elsewhere, find a little bit of peace, find a little bit of wholeness. But I don't know if you find the same, that the things that often really keep you well when you're unwell feel hard to do. So I really do have to remind myself to get out there in the water every day. You know, sometimes you're having a week where you feel down or sluggish. I'll then think, oh, it's been like three days since I've been swimming. I should probably go and do that. Yeah, I think it's when you think, that word of like you sometimes I have a feeling and I'm just like you need to just get there and if you question it too much that's when you know you that's where you should be if you start questioning it I'm I hate the word should so when I uh, like if I say should in any form I kind of think that's not it's like this kind of yeah it's not a good word but I completely agree with you I think I I feel like the sea is like you sometimes I go three or four times a week but if there's something that I am going through, I feel like I need to go as much as possible. And the cold does take you out of your head and into your body. And I can be an overthinker. And that can kind of, if you can't pull yourself back from that overthinking, it can kind of just, you know, it can lead you down further into more of a kind of a kind of darker place. And I think the sea and also breathing for me, just regulating my breath which the sea does do because it kind of the sea takes hold of you so it forces you to breathe because the cold water kind of your sympathetic system your fight or flight response so to slow your breath down so it's quite interesting that i've just discovered how i can actually do the breathing outside of the water as well to slow my breath down and to realize that when i do go into states of where i'm it's sort of like an abandonment of myself or i have I need to come back home to me, that wholeness and breathing in the sea. And it definitely helps to kind of get back to your center. And, but it teaches you so many, so many things. I think it's a reflection of us and it can be like a, a beautiful swimming that like the other day I got in and the sun was sparkling on the sea and it was just, I closed my eyes, kind of, it did allow some emotions to kind of come up and, just to kind of to look at the reflection of the light on the sea and how I felt in the water and this idea of if I can let the water help me bring that up then I sort of then I transform and let go of something and I think a lot of my life I've suppressed and tried to feel like I shouldn't feel how I feel and actually we should feel how we feel and and allow our feelings to know that they can come and move through us instead of minimizing them, suppression, and kind of telling ourselves, which I still do today, that somehow I should be something else other than who I am. So it's that form of abandonment again of myself. And it creeps in so easily through so many different experiences. And it's that coming back to ourselves. 
I'm so grateful for the sea and showing me that. And I think I had no idea of that before I had discovered sea swimming. I've started doing ice baths as well as a kind of like uh, as an, another form of the extreme and should, that inward journey of having to kind of go inward and you know the sea in the winter gets down to six degrees here and it's like buckets of cold water being thrown at you there's my friends who josephine and, and rich we the, a couple that live at the top of the road they'll come down and it'll be pouring down with rain and we kind of walk down like sulking teenagers kind of going let's just do this and we kind of derobe and get into the water and it's pouring down with rain and it's freezing cold and your skin is red and you just literally put your clothes back on and it's hard to get dressed in the weather and then you come back and then you feel like you've done something and that something has shifted and yeah it's an inward experience that changes how you show up outwardly in the world and how for me there's less need to reach for things to fill that sense of self it helps to build a greater sense of ourselves as well Definitely. And, you know, I think it becomes a good metaphor for life, doesn't it? When you talk about walking down to the sea and it's cold and, you know, I've been swimming for years now, but every time I go, I think, oh, I don't want to do this. It's going to be horrible. And it's a little bit like life sometimes. Days feel hard. You don't want to get started. And then when you do, there is always a sense of accomplishment and always a sense of, you know, with swimming reminds you that you can get through anything, reminds you that you can do it and also that you can conquer some of those inward feelings of anxiety. I mean, learning and mastering breathwork through the sea is a great example of that. How are you using that in life outside swimming? I know you mentioned breathing is something that you're experimenting with a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced and I've been doing some Wim Hof breathing. That really connects you to the shadow, the kind of dark, you know, that part. And you know, I, I have a very f- anxious child inside of me or an anxious part of me. and you know, the breathing connects, or sometimes it it depends, because sometimes it doesn't go to that place. But sometimes it does bring up that side of me. And I, you know, in in the past, I felt like that part of me that's anxious and fearful. I felt that part of me has been something that is wrong is the part that's wrong with me or the part that I've somehow wanted to push away and be like other people. And now that is the part of me that I want to hold and listen to. And I, it can have a voice, it can be there, but it can't dictate like who I am as a whole person. It's a percentage of me. And it's something that I need to sort of love and I need to care for and hold and know and nurture myself instead of someone else looking outwardly. And I still do it. Like I still you know, get caught in traps in life where recently I kind of was seeing someone and that that gave me that feeling of like of wholeness and that feeling of sort of security. And then, you know, we've decided not to see each other. And then that's put me back into that place and that fearful place and that abandonment and and that sense of that anxiety is something that if I'm being really honest with, I didn't share and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't listen. You know, the anxiety now that I have, I think is an alarm system in my body telling me something isn't right for me. And I'm not anxious all the time. And I'm not suppressed that it's actually listening to it and having a dialogue and knowing 
that it's actually trying to tell it's my body trying to tell me something and in the experience that I've just had the sea helped me so much because I was able to share share the sea with him as well and we actually used to swim a lot together or have the sea to swim but it was you know one time we were just stood on the beach together and he was talking to people and I just literally just went into the sea and I just thought this is how you should show up in life Mark you just it's not about trying to please people or do things you just there's that connection of of just it reflects how I should be in my own life that you like that the idea of like following your north star following yourself and to me I don't you know I didn't need anyone's kind of reassurance or permission to do just get into the sea and it was interesting because of being sober as well you know I was very proud of myself for having an experience where I was able to open myself up to someone and the sea was there as a it sort of held us it sort of was able to give us a space to kind of get to know each other and that meant a lot to me and that kind of it was interesting after we decided to not see each other I kind of got myself back to the sea really quickly to kind of reconnect with that energy and that space myself because it's something that has meant a lot to me for the last three years and you know the voices of like oh should you go down there or the association with this and I'm like no like this is you know this is a space for everyone but it's as much my space as everyone else's and just to reconnect with that space and myself and I got myself into the sea and kind of like had a cry and like allowed myself to feel my feelings and let go and feel like it's time to move forward and there's a greater picture that you're plugged into and get back onto this kind of forward motion. Oh, that's so beautiful that you've been able to get back out. Because I know, you know, when you're heartbroken, things, places remind you of people so much. And especially when you've shared something or a special place with somebody that can be difficult. But I know what you mean that the sea does feel like it witnesses in some ways. So I'm glad that you've been able to get back there and feel that it's held all the inner use, including the child you, because I think that is lifelong work that we sign ourselves up to. And I can hear you saying, well, I still need to do this and I still need to do that. But the work, the work goes on forever. <laughs> it doesn't finish. No. And it, it's right. It's, it's also there's power in that shared experience. And there's a greater picture than just the slice of the experience that I shared together with him over the last month. And it was a lovely experience, but it's like, right now what's the next chapter and what's the next phase in my of this sea adventure an adventure with myself I guess and yes you're right that part of me is never going to go away and I think that the more I ignore that part of me the more turbulent my life is I think the less turbulent is when you are able to kind of have a dialogue communicate with that part of you and just hold it with love and to know that you don't need anything other than ourselves to fill that or to just sit with it. And I think within sitting with it, it then kind of like simmers down. But if you don't listen to it, it's like water that's boiling and then it just boils over. And it's just about recognizing that that part of you is there. That's a great image as well of the kind of water boiling. I always think of it as kind of like a volume dial. And the more you ignore a part of yourself, the louder that voice gets, the louder it shouts. And I'm so impressed by the language that you have for talking about your own feelings. Because I think one of the ways in which lots of us get trapped with our emotions is that we don't really know how to articulate what it is 
we're feeling and I maybe slightly different to you but maybe the same certainly feel that you know I don't have permission to have sad feelings or bad feelings that I'm supposed to be walking through life being happy and being cheerful because I have lots to be cheerful about and so the more that you feel like you do have permission to hold on to some of those more shadowy parts that are sad or grumpy or resentful or grieving or depressed the more you do feel like you also have a right to feel the joy as well. And something that you've said a few times that I think is really interesting is just, you know, the way you can experience emotions in this seat. Because I, you know, as an adult, we're not really allowed to shout anywhere. I don't know where I would go to shout or express rage in my body. But swimming is one of the only places where I'll go and have a bit of a scream underwater (laughs) because I I don't know where else you're allowed to really experience rage in your body. So I really love hearing that you maybe sometimes go to the see and have a bit of a cry because I think that's probably lots of us all (laughs) up and down Brighton Beach having a little solo cry on their own (laughs) yeah I think I shout sometimes I you know like some fear comes up with me when I swim and sometimes I'm like there's going to be something that's going to be underneath the water that's going to attack me and that thought in my head becomes big and it just and and I'm just and then I just shout out come on eat me just come and just take a bite of me like like and just laugh and then just kind of move through it and then just keep you know, keep, keep, there's these areas of Brighton Beach that's got black rock underneath the water. So sometimes the water can look really like there's a kind of like darkness to it. I did swim last year across the dark part of the rock, which I've photographed many times because you can see that it is the black rock underneath the skies reflecting off of it. And when you swim past that, you get to a sandy bit. And I took my GoPro down there and swam underneath the water. And I was able to see this beautiful kind of clear light place. And I got back to the beach and I felt like shouting at everyone going, you need to go and swim like past the bit that looks like a bit scary and you get to this beautiful place. And I guess that's like the metaphor with what I'm trying to say with that holding that part of us. It's like to get to that place where we need to be sometimes is by walking through that discomfort or or listening to those parts of us and bringing that that wholeness is something that people you know we've grown up or I have with my kind of my generation is that you know you have to be positive and stay in this kind of like like slither of a life or like you know just be positive or like only positive vibes I'm like you know makes me kind of like cringe because I'm like I've got to bring everything of who I am to everything you know I do in my life and you know my bad parts are me as much as my good parts and we can't you know like one of my friends joked with me saying you know I I don't get jealous and I just sort of laughed and said like you do get jealous you know like I get jealous you're a human being you get jealous but and that's okay to have those negative feelings we're told at very little age don't have them don't sit with that move through it quickly instead of just basically saying okay that how does that feel you know that must be difficult and then allowing that process to shift and you know with jealousy it's like it's those emotions are just there for a reason to maybe show us like what we're missing or what we would like in our life or you know I'm jealous of someone else's artwork because I'm not paying enough attention to my own creativity so or I'm jealous of two people in love because I want more love in my life you know it's a call that we should be listening to our negative states and that those are a way to communicate us to a greater sense of self and sometimes I think a lot of negative emotions 
lead us to inform us of our values and our core beliefs, which are so important to inform us on our journey in life. So I find it really frustrating that our world teaches us what you know, our culture teaches us not to, we should be learning this at school, that this is all about informing us of a greater sense of self and a greater sense of our purpose in life and how to show up for our family and friends and the whole of our community and the world. And we get taught the opposite of this, like, you know, world perhaps of narcissism. And it's something that I don't know, it needs to shift. And I feel like there are, the world needs to go back into a different form of. And I think slowly we're getting there one by one changes. If I change myself, if you change yourself, if we all work on ourselves slowly, you know, that things will shift and that shift is happening. So I think so it's, it's very interesting. And I think that, you know, this is it's part of the greater form of what we're going through right now and the sea is for me something that seasonally throughout sort of spring summer autumn winter whether whatever state that I am in personally in my life whether I'm in my spring summer or you know and whether the world is in at the moment in some form of winter the sea is able to be a touchstone and a kind of constant in my life you know like whatever comes and goes out of my life however much it impacts my heart and who I am and touches me the sea is able to regulate or to be a constant you know if the sea goes that I'm, I'm gone as well you know it's don't you know it's and I hope that I will be sea swimming until kind of the you know the end <laughs> that it's sort of you know that it's part of me and I want to be that 90 four-year-old that's still getting into the sea and you know I'd quite happily like die or I'd quite happily be like that's the place where I'd have my ashes spread it's like that there's this whole kind of circular thing of life and that's I don't know I, I can't see that this is a fad for me that somehow I'm going to going to be sat comatose in my armchair watching some daytime tv show it's like it, this is life and yeah I, that's what I want really I think was it I don't know if you watched Free Sophia with on BBC, but that was with Wim Hof, but that was so interesting. They said on that that basically, you know, do you want in what do you want in life? Someone to teach you something or do you want to experience it? And, you know, for me, that's what the sea does. It gives me an, every time it gives me a different experience. No swim's the same. And yeah, and that's what I want my life to be full of filled with experiences rather than me just learning things through what I should be feeling I want to be feeling my way through experiences and and just in saying that actually makes me feel kind of a bit emotional because I kind of feel like just what I've just been through is exactly that it has been an experience and it's been a beautiful experience and there's been nothing wrong with what I've experienced and that's what I want you know I want this my life to be filled with the love and filled with the rich tapestry of everything. And it is an experience. We accumulate as we go. We're changing all the time. We're learning things, even sometimes if that means that we're acquiring pain or wisdom or new joys or new lessons. And I think that's the amazing thing about relationships is that often whatever happens, you're changed at the end. And the person that, you know, you meet the next time you're a new person and that new person gets to benefit all the learnings that you've just had. But it's hard to see that sometimes when we're often viewing things as like, 
must be in relationship to have a successful relationship and stay with that person. And when it doesn't work out like that, it feels like a bit of a loss. But like you say, all these things are experiences and that's why they're so important and beautiful and painful. And I was really touched by hearing you talk about, you know, bad emotions and who gets to decide (laughs) that when we're young, we are told that jealousy is bad and we must not feel jealousy and we must not pretend and who gets to label all of these emotions. And I know that earlier you said in times where you had felt maybe that you were lacking that wholeness or not in yourself, you reached for things that were bad for you. And I was wondering if that was, you know, part of your relationship with drinking and what you used to reach for and how that didn't serve you and how you're finding things like swimming that do serve you now. Yeah, I think with swimming, I began sort of a year of swimming. And then there was a few things like lockdown and drink was always something that was in my life that was just there. And would regulate I would use to regulate myself I guess or just even in the times of like if something pushed me into that fearful place or I was overexcited or I was down I would kind of just drink would always be something there for me and I think I just got to a point where I kind of looked at it and just thought what benefit is am I really getting from this and I think it was the start of the year and my friend and I went for a swim and friend Zoe she's lines a comedian and she's been through her own traumatic kind of thing with lose having alopecia and losing her hair through lockdown and we sort of said oh let's have a, a month off of not drinking and I joked and said oh the first of January doesn't count does it you know you can still have a drink on the first of January and I remember her looking at me and saying Mark no it does count and I remember thinking come on then I can do this I got to like a month And then I got to like three months and four months and suddenly I was kind of like going, I I just kind of discovered that I was on this journey of sobriety. And I guess it related back to my kind of inner child stuff, which it still makes me feel very, there's a lot going on right now. So I'm very, really close to, it's really, you know, it's really very wounded at the moment and very kind of like there. So yeah, the drinking was very much, I think, a way that I was not listening to my inner child listening to that part of me and I think it was a way that I was able to just give myself the greatest hug that I needed by stopping drinking and it kind of connected me very much to that part and very much I hadn't been I think the drink was pressing it was like a kind of cattle grid to me even getting to to be able to get near to that part And so I feel like for me, that is, I can't go back now. And drink is like, it's like, why can I go back to drinking? What benefit is it going to give me? Because I feel like that, that this part of me is, I've ignored too much. I've spent 38 years kind of running away from suppressing. And now it's time to give myself a chance to transform myself into something other than what I had been for such a long time and by not drinking and staying on that road of sobriety I'm sort of learning so much and at the same time I feel greater to that wholeness than if I had been drinking and over it's been two years coming up to 18 months two years and there's been so many different kind of levels of discovery and benefit that 
sobriety has given my life and it's almost that point of which that if someone isn't okay with it then it doesn't matter to me anymore because because it gives me a greater understanding of my relationship with myself and you know like like we were saying earlier that those shoulds and we should be going to go to that festival we should be doing this and we should be drinking it's like that can all just disappear because really it doesn't matter to me that lifestyle stuff that we should be on a treadmill with unless you know i'm not like against if you want to go to a festival go to a festival or if you want to do something do it but i think i spent a lot of my life doing things because i thought i should instead of doing what was right for me and i think the sobriety is it's however hard it can be at times because sometimes those voices come in where you're like you know, you're punishing yourself. And I hear them all the time. Friends say to me, oh, I wish you'd be, I wish you'd do this and come out and do things like more that they, and that's okay that they want to do it. But it's more about what I need and what, and I'm still discovering that. And I'm still like a year and a year, 18 months on, you know, I'm really pleased with myself that I had this lovely experience sober. And that's the first time in my life that I've had an experience dating someone for a period of time sober and you know I'm 30 like 39 years old and I feel like I'm that inner child and that work that I didn't do when I was growing up I was just you know kind of I was like a rabbit caught in headlights for probably a long time and I guess that's what if there was something that is a positive out of the darkness of lockdown it made me stop and and have to kind of confront that i guess in stopping i was able to see that i didn't want to continue my life in that flight or fight kind of response where i'm just reacting and reacting all the time and i was kind of exhausted kind of just needed to stop and i think the sea has been something that is an element that has been able to kind of ground me and i'm not sure if i want to you know there's moments where i want to go up and there's but most of the time I want that inner peace and that calm and that time to reflect upon who I am and you know without sounding like you know kind of a cliche or but that idea of like the greatest relationship you're ever going to have in your life is with yourself and it's so true it's like you know we can either run away from it or we can actually run towards it and you know that's the gift that we you know we've been given whoever we are you know been given that gift to, to work on ourselves and be with who we are and then we can show up for all of the rest of everyone and what will be and the right people will find us and the right things will find us and I'm a firm believer in that that spirituality that the sea holds it's like it is the you know the holder of wisdom and, and I don't know like the universe you know it's you know whether it's going you know I've been going my new thing at the moment is going for moonlight swims at night which are just even more magical and you know there's a different feeling to the water at night you know my friends joke with me because I say it's buttery or it's got some sort of sort of feeling to it and at night it's even more magical and there's that sense of you know Brighton Beach is like a theatre you can go to the beach for a swim at eight o'clock in the morning and it's not busy at all there's maybe five or six people and then sort of by 10 o'clock it's like filled with people and then you know so I love picking my times because you know not that there's anything I spend a lot of time on the beach when it's packed and busy and it's lovely but you know if you want that connection and time 
I think that solitude really helps to actually kind of sit with ourselves. I think we need that. Yeah, and I guess that's all part of what you said about one of the most important relationships being our relationship with ourselves. And a really important part of relationships is listening. And it's very hard to listen to yourself sometimes, but listening to whether you need the community of being around other people doing the same thing as you in the water or the solitude of taking a moment for yourself. And I feel like I may be just at the beginning of my relationship with myself. So you're kind of in the distance and I can have you as a role model. So I'm so, so impressed by the way how compassionate you're able to be with yourself and how generous you are with yourself. And this idea of being able to give yourself a hug and give yourself things that you need and maybe say no, because saying no is a very generous thing to do that often feels very difficult. So I'm really touched by everything you said about yourself and you know that you're taking that journey on with such compassion, which I think is very difficult and how beautiful to have swimming that and something that you feel has held you and I actually had you know I've been following your art and followed you on Instagram and loved seeing your art and then I remember seeing a post about I think it was your sobriety and swimming and I felt so connected to you as a stranger in that moment that was also a very brave thing to do to share you know some of that story with other people do you get people messaging you much and saying a similar thing or feeling like they've because I mean as an artist you must be sharing your work a lot you have a platform you have a stage but then to share something as intimate as your story did that feel quite different did that make you feel quite vulnerable in a different way yeah definitely I think it I remember the first post that I did in lockdown where I had this like discovery of the sea and how it helped me with that sense of self and shredding my anxiety you know I felt like they're very vulnerable moments where you share what you feel and the more I'm doing it, the less that voice of the shouldn't, the kind of judgmental, the Margaret Thatcher in my head, you know, the kind of the voice of, you know, that critical voice, what other people will think of you. You know, I've got a lot of friends and I, you know, my head would think, oh, what would so-and-so think if you did this? Or I don't think they would like this or that part of you, would, you know. And I guess it was going back to that. I had to kind of really connect with who I was. Uh, who I really had to sort of shred the layers that weren't there and then that, that weren't helping me and they weren't, they were kind of holding me back. And the sea was able to help me mo- move through that. And then sharing how I felt, I think is the most important thing because it goes back to what we're told don't share, you know, don't be that person, don't be this, you know, and actually. The beauty is in sharing because, like you said, that you know it's lovely to hear that you've connected with something that I've shared, and that that came from a place of truth of who of where I was, and you know expression and how everyone should be heard and everyone should be listened to, and this idea that at school and a lot of my history and stuff, I just buckled down, hid, closed the door, tried to get through stuff. And part of my career has forced me to do this in a way. It's like part of who I am. It's like I'm stepping forward. And, you know, so what if you like annoy some people or those people can't see that? You know, it doesn't matter. It's about you sharing. It's about me sharing what we feel. And there's strength in that. And, you know, sort of, if anything, I should be sharing more on Instagram and more of who I am. But don't find it that easy. But I think the more you do the more it becomes kind of easier for us. And the more honest and authentic you are, the more people will connect with you. And the, the less you are, that perhaps the, 
you know, you know, it's not going to work as authentically. I, I kind of, to be honest with you, I have, I sort of, in the last three months, I haven't shared an awful lot and I've gone through an awful lot. And, you know, through some of my experiences that I've had recently, I was, that I've shared with you today, I kind of feel a very vulnerable place would be to share that online. But, you know, maybe that's something that I should do, that, that, that maybe that's something that would be good to do and healing to do. And, you know, it's all about us learning about ourselves and us stepping into that comfortable place because a lot of, and I'm included in this as well, but a lot of our patterns of behavior and what we do are just keeping us in these loops. And what I'm trying to step forward and into to transform myself into something that I didn't know like because I wasn't happy before and I wasn't in a place where I was truly myself and so it's about keeping that sense of self and stepping forward into the unknown and something that you don't know because like you don't know what the future is going to be none of us do and but I don't want to be sat there at 80 saying oh that's just me that's just how I am I want to be constantly you know, like that, that revolving door, keeping a sense of who I am and what's right for me, but also moving forward into that sense of an unknown or exploration. And that's where creativity lies. That's where the future lies. It's scary, but, you know, we can hold on or we can let go. And sometimes I hold on, sometimes I let go. And it's like, it's not as easy as I say. And this has been great today because I've even reflected back to myself what I like those parts of my head that tell me that there's something not right with me or something that has intrinsically like I don't deserve love or I don't deserve to be happy or and it's all like like they're voices that may have helped us in the with certain things, but they're not helping me right now. And we do all of us deserve love in our lives and to not struggle with with our feelings and who we are but to actually just allow ourselves to to be not suppress and to not walk away it's the it's easy to kind of walk away because things some things don't necessarily feel right but you need to step into that uncomfortableness to move forward and grow otherwise if we stay in that comfortable place or tell ourselves oh that's just not me or that's not for me it's like you're not really willing to do the work and move forward and everyone has to do it at their own pace and everyone has to it's not for someone else to make those decisions for us it's for ourselves but i think we've still got to have some knowledge of whether you know if we're happy then move you know if you're happy in life then that's great but i i, I guess i had and it's, I had a point of which I felt right. This I had no choice. Basically, I had to do it. I was forced into it because I kind of I had to do it. So, so this is where I am now. And it's interesting because I, it's you know the future is going to hopefully bring all sorts of experiences and riches, and just keep on moving forward and keep on following our paths. And and the sea is something that is. Like it's just it's 
you know, the addictive part of it is to get to, to use it and not, you know, to know that you have that wholeness without the sea. But the sea definitely, it's like it's always on one side of me. If I walk down, like in Brighton, we're always walking down the road, left or right. We've always got the sea on our right hand side and left hand side. So for me, the sea is a massive kind of symbol and kind of it's a massive anchor to who I am. And I don't think I would be able to live away from the sea or water. Like I think that wherever I choose to live, I, to the thought of living in London without having a, some sort of outdoor swimming sort of area that I could use or inland would be, I think, challenging. Or maybe it wouldn't be challenging. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I'd find nature, you know, kind of just rolling, you know, fields, forests, and I'll be able to connect and hug my inner child by doing that. So yeah, it's all very interesting. So interesting. And I love hearing about how the sea has become an anchor for you and a way to return to yourself. And so much of this conversation has just made me reflect on, I think as you get older, you realise how much work you have to put into getting to know yourself and being yourself. And I think we hear a lot that relationships take work. And I always think I thought that meant something quite different to what it really does mean, which is that it it takes a lot of work to show up presently as yourself and to get to know who that is and what that self needs. And I'm so happy and inspired by you that you found ways to do that. And I could talk for you to you forever about inner child and healing and how swimming helps and it's amazing. But maybe just as we wrap up, I have one final question for you, which is tell me more about your ice bath. You mentioned that you've had ice baths and I'm so interested to know where you do that and who you do that with in Brighton. We actually, my friend Esme and I discovered a Wim Hof session in London. So we went to, and it was a small group of people. And we had a Wim Hof instructor, Alex, who was amazing, who we've actually just kind of poached and got his email so we can kind of do a session in Brighton. We would do the breathing exercises, which are really basic breathing exercises. And then we would go in to do the ice bath. And I have had an ice bath at home with my friend. We went to the corner shop and bought some ice. And I got, I think, like 18 kilos of ice. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, and it, they melt quite quickly in the water. Whereas they had 60, I think it was 60 kilos of ice, 50, 60 kilos of ice. And literally you are just surrounded with ice and you have to, to slow the breathing down. And the first time I did an ice bath with 50 kilos of ice, I literally like it was easy and I got in or not easy, but I got in and I was just like, it was a happy place. I was so so happy to be in there. It was like joy, joyful. And actually, the last one I had two weeks ago was actually really difficult. And I had to really go deep to kind of sit with it for a couple of two, two and a half minutes or two minutes we were in the water for. And I don't know whether it was to do with the change in temperature, but the ice is just afterwards, you get this feeling of euphoria, you kind of just feel very connected to yourself. There's this sense of, I mean, every experience is different, but I've done one at home where I felt, I actually felt like my vagus nerve had kind of like relaxed in some way. Like I felt stiff in my neck, but kind of not in a bad way. I felt like I, I just felt like I had taken some natural Valium and I just needed to just float. Like anyone could have said something to me then and I would just be like, I'm so peaceful. But again, I guess it's a very different experience and it's knowing what you need from that experience as well and if it's not a competition it's not about sitting in the ice for 10 minutes or sitting in the ice 
for however long. It's about, you know, showing up for yourself and but also sitting with that level of discomfort and it shifts after a minute and a half. It just goes and all that discomfort of being in the ice and, you know, our brains telling us to get out, you kind of go into a serenity and a kind of peaceful place where you're able to just sit with it. And then that's when it's time to get out <laughs> and decide, you know, that's when you get in trouble. Same in the sea. It's a surrender and a surrender to our heads and, you know, fall into our bodies and our hearts, you know, to actually really connect. That sounds amazing. I've just bought an ice bath and I'm going to stick it on my roof. And my friends, we were joking, saying, you know, they'll have to come around for like an ice bath party or whatever. You know, like that's what we do. We don't go out. Well, we go out, but, you know, we don't, you know, an ice bath to us is a party. And yeah, it's a transformative experience. And you get to step through something and have an experience with yourself. And no one's experience is ever going to be totally the same. And, And it's, I guess it's pushing us to a place of difference or somewhere that we didn't know before. Like the scariest thing for me that I have to remind myself is that I don't want to be in the same place. I want things to move and I want growth. And however much fear comes up and anxiety of moving through that is not an excuse to keep me in a place where I'm just held, kind of held in a sort of prisoner kind of thing. So it helps me to break free of those patterns. Yeah. And transformative is such an important word there. And if a way that you can find transformation or to step through something is through an ice bath party, then why not? And also how amazing to have friends that do that with you. It sounds like you have a real community there in Brighton, which I just love to hear because that's one of the amazing joys of swimming, this community as well. Yeah, I'm really grateful for the community that, that I have around me that, you know, we support each other in helping just you know it's that sense of like sometimes just getting ourselves to the water that's all it is it's like and then the rest of the work is done we have to do the rest of the work it's like yeah it's bringing that kind of energy of sometimes in the winter i lead you know we lead people into the water and you're like come on let's just like let's go with this let's do it the accountability helps (laughs) yeah the kind of slowly getting in doesn't for me i'm just like let's just get in like Sometimes low tide swims in the cold are the worst for me because you just, you're like, you're creeping into the water. Whereas I just want to submerge myself and get in rather than this slow. But maybe there's something there that I need to work on that I can't sit with that for that long. Oh, Mark, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and so open today. I've, so I've learned so much about you, but I also feel like there's a few things that I have to learn about myself after reflecting on our conversation. And one of them that I'm definitely going to think about is what season I'm in at the moment. I love hearing you talk about, you know, we have the seasons of the water and the seasons of nature, but also sometimes in ourselves, we might be in a spring or an autumn or a winter. And I'm definitely going to go away and think about that. But thank you so much for chatting to me. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me. A huge thank you to Mark for being so open in our chat. I know I'm going to be thinking about a lot of the things that he said for a while. Now, you can follow Mark on Instagram and check out his artwork currently exhibiting at Enter Gallery. And if you fancy, you can also pre-order my book, The Tidal Year, via the link in my show notes. See you next week.